Ion 2020 episode 226. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ray, host of Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me for another day in the in looking at the 2020 election cycle. How is this whole impeachment thing going to affect Donald Trump? I'm just, you know, that's what I was listening to pretty much all day yesterday when I was driving around. I don't know why. It was pretty damn intriguing, to be honest with you. Like, I'm sitting there listening to it, and I didn't want to sit there and focus on it all day when I'm driving around, but the entire day when I was working, I was just, I had my XM Sirius radio on, and there I was. I just kept on turning back to the Fox News broadcast of it. And they just, they broadcast the entire thing, the entire questions. No commercial interruptions or nothing. They must have lost a buttload of money yesterday when they were presenting the entire impeachment thing that was going on. The, all these uh, questionings and stuff. Because it went on for hours and hours. And I think they took a break in between. So maybe Fox News got to throw a couple bucks into their pocket by doing some advertisements during that time. And maybe they are able to charge more. Because even people like me who don't watch the news are even focusing on it. I went to a Burger King to eat lunch, and they even had the impeachment thing on the TV there. And, oh, by the way, I had the Impossible Whopper while I was out there as well. And I was trying it because my wife, she comes up to me like one night when she gets home, and I guess they had the commercial on. She says, what do you think about it? Would you eat it? And I'm like, no, I only like burgers and meat. You know, like, that, to me, I don't want fake meat or anything like that. But she wanted me to try it, so I I sucked it up. I uh, I got the guts to do it, and I ate an Impossible Burger, or Impossible Whopper, I guess is what it's called. And it was okay. I mean, it, it, tasted, like a, it tasted like a Whopper. Now, you can tell that it's not meat. Like, there's a texture to it that's slightly off. So, that's the only thing that was different. And... You can taste, like, the grill part of it a little bit more than you would on a Whopper. So there, there was a little bit of difference to it. But that, this isn't what that's, that's not what this show is about. I'm sorry. I just was sitting there when I walked into the, the Burger King. I got the Impossible Whopper. I just wanted to taste it for my wife because she asked me to do it. And I'll probably never eat one again. But if I was forced to, if it was like, you got it the Burger King, and they were like, yeah, we ran out of Whoppers, but we got some Impossible Whoppers. Than I might, but who goes to Burger King nowadays anyway, right? That that's a dying brand, and they're just trying to uh, grasp at straws, trying to figure out new things to do. So uh, that's a company that has tried to innovate in the completely wrong way, and is just a failing brand overall. The service is terrible and stuff. Uh, that's how you know. I mean, capitalism gets rid of those companies that just aren't doing a good, doing good at. Uh, bringing service to people, and people notice it, and they stop going to those places, and uh, that's what Burger King has pretty much become. I mean, McDonald's is a master at the service side of it, just streamlining the entire process, and giving consistent food and consistent subpar, but, you know, good enough service constantly. Uh, But yeah, so I go into Burger King, and I grab my Impossible Whopper, and I notice that they have the uh, 
the the hearings going on, the impeachment hearing, and I'm just sitting there listening to it. And at that point, when I got into my car, I was already listening to it, but I just noticed that everybody is tuned into this thing. It's intriguing TV. It really is. And the thing about it is I'm watching it, and I, I don't know that there's a good case being made for impeachment at all. Now, the thing is, is I, I heard this afterwards. Someone was saying it, one of the talking heads was saying it, that if you're a Republican, you still think that they're just trying to screw over the president. If you're a Democrat, you think that the president is corrupt and trying to, you know, do illegal things and that are going to benefit him in 2020. If you're, you know, the two sides, nobody, by looking at this impeachment hearing, this impeachment proceeding, all the question that was going on, if you followed it at all, it probably did not change your mind whatsoever if you're on that, if you're on either side of the aisle, if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's the people in the middle that are really the ones that are going to determine whether it's going to affect the president or not. And in this show, we talk a lot about the presidential election. We talk about what's going on with the presidential election. So I kind of want to focus any times that I'm talking about the impeachment proceedings over the next however long it lasts. And I'm just probably going to pull my hair out and go crazy if it goes on for too long. But I'm going to focus it on how is it going to affect President Trump's re-election campaign? How is it going to affect his poll numbers? How is it going to affect, you know, his likability ratings and things like that? How is it going to affect him to get re-elected? That's really what I want to focus on. So that's what I'll do over the next couple of months as we continue to be inundated by just the partisanship that's going on in Washington with this whole charade. I'm watching it, and I was really having a hard time just listening to what they were talking about, because you have the Democrats who have their, like, they already have their preconceived notion of what they believe. The the Republicans, same thing. They've already decided that they're going to beat up on these people that are being questioned. Whereas the Democrats, they're going to try to get their message out there. And it's really a matter of who can twist up the facts and twist up the statements of these people in order to win the messaging while people are watching it. And it seemed like it seemed like the uh, the Republicans won that debate yesterday, and here's why. So when you're when they were questioning the people that were up there being questioned, the Democrats were just going after the idea that did Donald Trump have a quid pro quo? Was it your understanding? that it was out of line. They're trying to put together a message that says that there was two channels of of foreign, like a two-channel foreign policy going on. One that was like the, the proper channel, and then there was like a secondary channel that ran through like Rudy Giuliani and a few other, the UN, not the UN, the uh, EU ambassador, and a few other people that were insiders with Donald Trump. And through them they were able to establish that with the president of Ukraine that if he did not investigate 
Joe Biden, then he wasn't going to get the foreign aid. So that's what that's what they're trying to put out there. That's the message that they're trying to get into the media. That's the message that they're trying to run with in order to win this impeachment battle. So that second channel, that secondary channel, was a corrupt thing to do. And that because of that, Donald Trump was trying to use his influence in order to get them to intervene in the 2020 election somehow. And they kept on referring to it. It was kind of weird. I'm, I'm listening to it. And every time that they refer to uh, Donald Trump trying to get them to investigate Joe Biden, they keep saying they, they're using this, in and in, there's a reason why they're using it, they keep saying investigate a political opponent or investigate political opponents. Get them to investigate political opponents. Get them to get involved in the 2020 election by investigating political opponents. They keep on referring to it as political opponents. They want to get that message out there. And the reason why is because if, in fact, Donald Trump's intention was to get them to investigate a political opponent, not just an individual, but a political opponent... And if that was his intention overall, then then they could establish maybe some kind of motive and maybe something that would lead to getting the people on board, the American people on board, that says that Donald Trump was in fact corrupt. I don't think they won that argument today. Like, I don't think that they did. I don't think that during all that questioning they were able to um, make a strong case for that. And here's why. Here's why. So the Republicans kept on going back to, have you ever spoken to Donald Trump? Like these people that are that are up there on stage, have you ever spoken to Donald Trump? No. Like none of them even have ever spoken to Donald Trump. They haven't met Donald Trump. Uh, they've spoken to people within the administration, and that's about it. None of them ever met Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, except for one of them met him in like 2007. Obviously that's way before Donald Trump's time. And they were able to establish this, they were able to take away the credibility of these guys because they were able to establish it, that they did not hear anything firsthand. They were not on the call. They might have heard from other people what was said, but they never heard it firsthand until like around the end of September. But that was it. I think that was whenever they released the transcripts of the call. But all these people that they were talking to, they didn't ever hear anything firsthand. They were not on the inside of the Trump administration to know what was really going on or all the other things that were going on at the time. And then on top of that, they were not able to establish the idea that um, the president of Ukraine even knew that the money was being withheld, that there was a hold on the foreign aid. The president of Ukraine did not even know it at the time of the call that there was hold, there was a hold on the aid, and it wasn't his understanding at all that when they were having that call during the call, he did not even understand it that Donald Trump was withholding the foreign aid unless he investigated Joe Biden. So there was they actually ended up getting the foreign aid, and they never investigated Joe Biden. So. Because of that, 
you can't say there's a quid pro quo. I think they won that argument. In my mind, they did, and I'm not biased. I'm not a defender of Donald Trump. I'm a critic of Donald Trump in a lot of ways. So I'm not sitting there looking at Donald Trump as like a great guy. I'm not saying, oh, look how great America is today because of him, and I'm going to defend him at all costs. But when I listened to the argument, it made sense to me that if in the Ukraine, the president of Ukraine was doing multiple interviews, and he did say it on multiple occasions that he had no understanding that there was a quid pro quo, that if he didn't, that he did not understand that as meaning if you don't invest, investigate Joe Biden, you're not getting the money because he didn't know that there was any foreign aid at the time or that there was a hold on the foreign aid at the time. So they're on the call, and in his mind, he's thinking to himself, I'm getting the foreign aid already, so no big deal. He didn't know if it was on hold. Nobody told him. And so he's on that call with, with Donald Trump. So how could there be a quid pro quo of unless you give me, or unless you give me what you want or what I want, I'm going to withhold this aid. Like when you read the transcripts of that, Unless it's been placed into your mind that, I mean, see, it's hard to even look at the transcripts and think that there was a quid pro quo going on as well. Like when I read it, I kind of saw something implied in there, but I never really saw it, that there was a quid pro quo going on. So the thing that, the thing that really made me think about it, though, when I was listening to the, in the testimony of these people is that if the president of Ukraine never knew that there was a quid pro quo going on and he never understood it to be that it was would be tied to the money, then I can't go along with the idea that Donald Trump did anything that was wrong with in this situation. So I think the Democrats lost today based upon that. Because I'm a, like I said, I'm an unbiased person. I can't wait to see the polls come out, though, or the conversations that they have with people that are, you know, kind of in the middle. Because I think polls are the, the, a better way to see what's in the middle or whether people in the middle are or not. Because if the it's the people that are on the right and on the left that are already set in their views. They're not going to change whether they agree or disagree with Donald Trump, ever. The Republicans are going to defend him to their last breath, and the Democrats are going to hate him, even if he brought world peace even if he instituted pure socialism and Bernie Sanders would still critique Donald Trump just because he's a Republican, right? So those people, they're not changing, but it's the people in the middle. That's where you kind of figure out where in the polls what they're thinking. And if you can see the polls kind of sway in favor of Donald Trump, then you'll see that the Republicans are winning this. And I think that they won the argument today uh, for sure. I haven't listened to MSNBC, I haven't listened to Fox News too much with regards to the pundits in the after show about what these people are saying. So I'll give you guys more information on that later, I suppose. But um, I'm not going to bore you any longer with this whole impeachment inquiry. Today, I apologize. Uh, I just, that's my feeling on this whole impeachment inquiry so far is that the Republicans are kind of winning the messaging side of it, and I just don't see anything that would be an impeachable offense. I really am just thinking to myself that this is a way 
for the Democrats to solidify a win in 2020, and that's what they're thinking. That if they can just drag Donald Trump through the mud for the next 12 months, then they could possibly win with a crappy candidate that they have. Like, Donald Trump's a crappy candidate, right? He's, I mean... People will defend him on the economy and everything like that. I think probably the economy would have continued to go up despite Donald Trump because there's trillions of dollars sitting on the sideline and that money is going to come into the economy and it's going to blow up a bubble even more. Like that's That money was on the sideline. It would have came, out, came off the sideline under Trump or under Hillary Clinton. I'm not convinced that it was all Trump. The tax cuts probably helped and the tax cuts probably incentivize businesses to reinvest some money maybe not too much but a little bit do stock buybacks which actually helps the price of the stocks as well so the the tax cuts probably did a little bit so maybe there's a little bit of that that was all Donald Trump but I'm not one that's going to sit there and just completely think that everything was him right but yeah, I just don't think that the from the from the impeachment side of it, I think it's all just political pandering in order to hopefully get somebody to be able to beat Donald Trump. And they do have terrible candidates that are running right now. Elizabeth Warren leading the pack. She's a socialist. Bernie Sanders leading the pack, he's a socialist. But combined between the two, they get like almost fifty percent of the vote. In some of these polls. Then you got Joe Biden, Mr. Gaffs himself, Sleepy Joe. Might be able to beat Donald Trump if he could just, you know, shut his mouth for a few minutes and not have too many gaffes. So, that, you know, that's a possibility. But, I mean, it, he's he's a little old and he's not really getting a lot of people that are, that are following the guy. They're not really um, loving him too much. And then you got Pete Buttigieg, who is the other front runner runner right now and he's you know no one's too excited about him either I don't think anyone's too excited about any of these candidates so they have a bad group of people running so if they could just destroy Donald Trump drag his name through the mud maybe they could win that's what they're thinking then you got the um, a former governor of Massachusetts on top of Michael Bloomberg getting in to the race this week now you have this former or this former democratic governor of Massachusetts I'm trying to think of what his name is I can't think of it off the top of my head right now I apologize but he's announced that he's going to try to get into this race now you can't have him in the race along with Elizabeth Warren that doesn't make any sense they're both from Massachusetts they're going to split the Massachusetts vote I just don't, I mean, it, maybe he's maybe he's publishing a book. I think that a lot of these people, they published a book, they're trying to make some money off of a book. They saw how much money uh, um, so these candidates are making off books. They saw even uh, Bernie Sanders made millions off of a book when he ran for president. So they release a book, they run for office, they take that money to the bank, and then they drop out and let Joe Biden do his thing, or let Elizabeth Warren do her thing, or let Pete Buttigieg do his thing. So uh, that's what I think that most of these people are just trying. So maybe this governor of Massachusetts is writing a book. It's gonna it's due to be released right before Thanksgiving, and he's announcing now that he's going to run so he can boost those book sales. Maybe his publisher made him do it. Who knows? 
Deval Patrick, that's his name. I just realized that now. It just came to me. So yeah, maybe that's the case. Who knows? Hillary Clinton, though, still no word. Still no word that she's going to get in. She did an interview on Monday, and she said, as of right now, I'm not thinking I'm going to get in. A lot of people are pushing me to get in, but I don't think I'm going to get in. So I don't think she's going to get in either. It's getting a little bit late. But you do have random people just hopping in late in the show, last minute. I wonder why they would do it, but it's probably for book sales. That's the most likely scenario. And it's the fact that the Democrats have a bunch of candidates that no one's excited about. The only one that has excitement behind them is Bernie Sanders. And if he drops out, or if he gets screwed by the Democratic National Committee, all those followers, not all of them, but a lot of them are going to be disenfranchised and hate Democrats at that point, and then we'll have this uh, super powerful socialist party for a couple of years until the pendulum swings back towards us libertarians, and hopefully that's the case. So, um, I was thinking about this today, man. Wouldn't it be great if Ron Paul, just out of, uh, out of not ego, because he doesn't have ego, whatever, but just decided, you know what, I'm going to run on the libertarian ticket. I'm going to decide, I decide that I'm going to run as a libertarian for president. Wouldn't that be just absolutely amazing that's what I was thinking about today and I just thought it would be just a phenomenal thing and not that we're going to be able to recruit the guy he has no desire to run for president but like I like I said yesterday he would be able to get the press he is a true blue libertarian on the conservative side only because he um I guess he's against abortion I don't know if he's I don't know if he's against abortion to the point of having the federal government be in charge of that stuff. I think he would put that down to the states. But he kind of leans conservative in that way. But that's fine. I lean conservative as a libertarian as well a lot of times. And I'm not going to sit there and say to somebody that, you know, I approve of them doing heroin. I just don't think it should be illegal. So I'm not going to support them. I'm not going to egg them on. I'm not going to become a heroin dealer, or not dealer, but a heroin, I'm not going to open up a heroin store if they ever legalized heroin. Just like I'm, you know, like, I just think that if you make it legal, then you're going to have, you know, a lot less problems overall. But anyway, besides that, I think that Ron Paul is on a similar path as that, and a lot of libertarians that are like the very um, left libertarians, they don't like them too much. They deny that he's even a libertarian sometimes. But if he decided to run, you would get excitement about the candidate. You would get lots and lots of press coverage. And you would probably get way more votes than Gary Johnson ever got. Because Ron Paul, I think he got, I don't know how many votes he got, but he got a ton of votes votes running as a Republican. He had the Ron Paul revolution. And he, I would just love to see him just do it just for the hell of it, you know? So if any of y'all are listening you have his ear, I'm sure people have tried to talk him into it in the past, but I think it wouldn't just be great, man, to reignite that revolution behind somebody that is a libertarian that believes in free markets, that believes in non-intervention foreign policy, that believes in ending the Fed. That would be phenomenal. Um, But that's all I got to say about it. Because it's just me dreaming, and we'll just keep on dreaming, guys. That's what we can do. But, uh, hey, I appreciate you listening to the show every day. 
Keep on coming back Monday through Friday. I am going for another year till the end of this election cycle, okay? I'm going to keep on going. I haven't decided, though, on Christmas break, I think I might take a little time off from the show for like a week because I'm going up to New Hampshire to take my kids and my wife snowboarding up there and uh, going to the White Mountains and there's a, you know several ski areas up there and I've heard that they're really good. I've gone up there probably about five or six years ago with the kids when they were really young and they learned how to ski there but now they snowboard and I could take them top to bottom on those mountains and I look forward to that. So I'm not sure how I'm going to put together a bunch of shows beforehand, so that might be something I'd do is take a couple days off during the uh, Christmas holiday. I'm not sure. I think that most, a lot of Republic, or not a, a lot of podcasters that I've seen do take some time off, but I've been going every day since January. And I, haven't st- I haven't missed a day, so I kind of want to hold myself accountable to not missing a day, so we'll see what happens, but um, anyway, keep on listening, though. I appreciate you joining the show. Uh, keep on uh, subscribing, or if you want to, you can subscribe to the show. And if you want to, you could also give me a five-star rating and review. Go ahead and do that now. Uh, that'll help out the show to get into those algorithms and stuff. Uh, but email me if you want to, ray at iontheempire.com. You could also follow me on Facebook and on Twitter. And that's iontheempire.com. And then, after you subscribe, you'll come back tomorrow, and you'll have clear vision for 2020.